You're listening to the Class on Task podcast, created for educators. Your hosts, Ashley and Brian, will share tips, strategies, and resources related to behavior and education that can help you in your classroom. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast for Class on Task. We are your co-hosts, Brian and Ashley. So we've all been there, New Year's resolutions, right? So New Year's resolutions of managing weight loss and having a healthy lifestyle not going as well as you expected. Well, we've all been there, right? We are all busy school professionals and probably find it difficult to eat healthy and remain active when we were teaching. We may not be able to get lunch in because the student's in crisis and maybe we're still working on IEP goals and writing lesson plans when we get home and just can't find the time to have that healthy lifestyle. Yes. So today we're interviewing Daniela Galvez to learn more about why we lose focus on some of our goals and some strategies to get back on track. Dani is a board certified behavior analyst, as well as a fitness coach. She's passionate about behavior analysis, health, fitness, and helping others. I want to welcome Dani. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're really happy to have you on. If you don't mind, if you could share a little bit why this topic is so important to you. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. To be honest, I was not always fit nor passionate about health and fitness. My journey really started in 2016 when I first joined Orange Theory. And at the time when I joined it, I was very unhappy with my weight. And to be honest, I didn't have many healthy habits. I would eat out a lot and barely worked out. And I wasn't obese but I did not feel good with myself. And for a lot of people, they would probably think that I was healthy, but I did not feel healthy. So I joined Orange Theory as a way to look for some coaching and accountability. And when I got in the group of working out, I really enjoyed going. And so I I don't know if you've ever been, but basically this is a group style fitness class. And, you know, as a behavior analyst, they do a lot of data. So they have a heart rate monitor and they track your heart rate and they give you your stats at the end of the class with a summary and a report. And I got so in love with seeing the progress with, you know, my heart rate and my calories being run, all of this. And I became obsessed with just health and fitness. And mostly so because I found an accountability in a group that would support me. So that was very important in my journey. But one of the most important things that I liked about Orange Theory is that one of the ways they make you accountable is that they charge you for a cancellation fee. Oh, wow. (laughs) So if you don't show up, they charge you like $12 extra for every time that you don't show up. Well, Orange Theory is not cheap as it is already. So if you can, you know, if you don't show up for your class, then that adds up. So quickly, I learned to either book my classes ahead of time or cancel ahead of time. So that kept me accountable. Fast forward to last year in 2020, when everything got shut down, I started to push myself way more out of my comfort zone and started to run, meditate and create healthier habits because the gyms were closed now is my time to push myself and create those contingencies that were no longer in place as they were before with Orange Theory. So I started to get into a lot of self-help books and reading about morning routines and stuff. So with my morning routine, I changed the way I started 
to also view health and fitness in a more positive way from the perspective of I get to work out instead of I have to work out. When you change your perspective and start to look at everything from the side of getting the opportunity to do things, working out and engaging in healthier habits becomes easier. I say easier because I would be lying if I said that it is ever easy to be 100% committed to your goals, but with dedication and a positive attitude, it definitely becomes more manageable and easier to do. I also once read a quote by Robin Sharma that said, if you don't make time for exercise, you'll probably have to make time for illness. So I don't want to make time to be sick. So I'm going to make time to be proactive about my health and getting into healthier habits. Ultimately, when we exercise, we can boost up our energy, enhance our health and improve our self-confidence and emotional well-being. So I really don't believe in resolutions, but I'm a big believer in working, like on working to better yourself all year long. Excellent. Those are all very valid points. And I love that quote too, that you had mentioned about illness, because I think that is such a, an important point that if we don't take the time now to take care of ourselves, we will have to make the time later on. But we all have kind of those common excuses for not working out, right? We don't have the time. There's no one holding us really accountable for doing exercise or eating healthy. We have these competing contingencies all throughout our life, right? Or even to that that good old excuse of, oh, my back hurts today, right? Don't feel like doing anything. I'd rather just sit on the couch, watch TV, let me rest, right, a little bit. So what do you have to say about these excuses? And, you know, think about it too, from behavioral perspective, what does it really come down to? Well, you know, to say that I haven't made those excuses myself would be a lie. So I've definitely been there. Don't have time. Completely agree. I don't want to wake up early. And by the time I come home from work, it's way too late. And I have to wake up early in the morning anyway, so I don't have time to work out. Or nobody's checking on me. So why would I care to work out? It's not like anybody's doing it. And definitely the competing contingencies with like, well... I could work out or I can just hear on the couch and watch TV sounds way more comfortable and physical pain with like, you know, your back hurting or your knees hurting is certainly a very common excuse and we've all done it. But from a behavioral point of view, if we think about it, it comes down to the response effort, right? So exercising is going to be a lot more difficult than sitting on the couch. Watching Netflix certainly sounds way more reinforcing than working out. But have you ever worked out and said, gosh, I regret that workout? No. no. Most <laughs> no, of the time yeah. you're like, thank God that was over. And I'm glad it's like I did it. Like you pretty much always feel pretty proud of yourself. So yes, there are competing reinforcers, but you could make it a positive outcome. So some ways to accommodate for these excuses is to decrease their response effort find out what is truly motivating or rewarding for us. So perhaps you hate running, but you really like going on bicycle rides. Well, make it fun, you know, go on a bike ride. And I feel like the working out has such a bad connotation or like people see it as something negative when in reality, it's something positive and you could make it positive, right? So finding out what is truly motivating or rewarding for us is very important because we can make it fun, right? So 
some way to make it motivating is work out with your husband or fiance or work out with your best friend. And then that's another way of getting some sort of accountability too. Or maybe you get on the bike to go to the ice cream shop, right? Like combine (laughs) it and make it fun, right? Like working out doesn't necessarily have to be miserable the entire time. So that's some of the ways that we can accommodate for those excuses. Yeah, I think those are all great points that you bring up too. And, you know, even too, it just makes me think about going through and just using more of the concept of we could start small, right? A few minutes here or there just to be able to kind of fit in throughout our busy day as school professionals too. You know, if we're able to go for a quick five minute walk on our lunch break or let me go walk and get a drink of water or whatever the case may be throughout the day to just kind of get a little bit of an extra movement in, I think is also helpful too. Yeah, for sure. We talked about some obstacles and excuses. What are some ways you can start yourself up for success from the beginning? Do you have any tips for us? Yes, antecedent manipulations from a behavioral point of view, which in other words is basically ways to set yourself up from success ahead of time. For example, you could eat a meal before you go grocery shopping. That way this makes you less likely to buy crappy food or food that is not healthy or actually even buy food that you do not need. Maybe plan out your week. Are you going away? Are you working all week? Knowing what your week looks like in advance can also help you make decisions on which foods will be best. Create your meal plan before you go food shopping. And for example, when you go out to a restaurant, you can ask for it to go back as soon as you get your meal so that you can pack half of your food in a to-go container. I find that when I do that, I eat less and I actually have leftovers for the next day because quite honestly, the portions in the restaurants are huge and you do not need to consume the entire meal. Unless you go to a tapas restaurant, then don't do that. But most (laughs) restaurants, you know, the portions are pretty big. So if you pack half of your meal in a to-go box, that'll be helpful for you not to overeat. Another thing that I find helpful is creating reminders for yourselves. So for example, I'll have sticky notes on my mirror, like remember to work out at five or set up uh, alarms on my phone for working out in the morning. I am a terrible snoozer. So a way that I set myself up to get up on time is like, I know I have to work out by five because I'm a snoozer. I will set up an alarm at 4.30 or 4.45 and at five. So I know, and it's terrible, but it's an antecedent manipulation. If I don't do it, I know at five, I'll shut off the alarm and then not another alarm will go off. Another way that you can set up yourself for success is to alter the environment so that, you know, the undesirable behavior that you're targeting, whether is in this case for health and fitness, let's say eating unhealthy food is likely to occur. So if you want to go on a diet, get rid of all the junk food in your house and replace it with more nutritional and healthier options. So I personally love to crunch, like eat crunchy food. And so chips are my favorite thing. And so a replacement for that is that I'll get crunchy food like carrots or sometimes I'll get grapes that and I freeze them so I can like crunch on it. So it's healthier and I still get the same sensory input from those foods, but it's not as as bad. And last, one thing that I did at now my home is that I manipulated my environment to dedicate a specific place for working out or meditating or whatever you're going to do. Create a space where you want to go into the place to take care of yourself. 
ultimately when you're working out is a time to take care of you and think about just you and how you're going to feel your body with great things. So create a space in your, in your house that is just for you and to take care of you. I love all of those, Danny. Thank you. So a lot of that even hits on a lot of the excuses that we all come up with, with why we're not working out or why it's too hard or why we don't have time. And a lot of things we can do are part of the environment and things we can kind of change or manipulate before we even engage in those behaviors. So I think those are really, really important things to keep in mind. I can relate to the snoozing. I am a bad snoozer as well. (laughs) I will purposely set my alarm earlier knowing that that may happen. So I'm setting myself up for success and kind of covering my basis. Which I heard recently, sorry to interrupt, but another way to avoid, if you don't want to set up a thousand alarms, if you have a significant other that will hate you for setting up so many (laughs) alarms, is to actually move your phone far away from you. So you have to get up. Oh yeah. (laughs) But if you don't get up, your significant other may not find that as pleasant because <laughs> they will just end it up, end up getting up and turning it off for you. And then, you know, yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a major antecedent manipulation right there. Like, <laughs> don't even do the separate alarms, like move it to a whole other part of your room, yep. <laughs> to the bathroom, walk yes. to the bathroom. <laughs> I've even seen now, too, they have like mats that are alarms. So it goes off and the only way to shut it off is by physically stepping on it. To oh. force you to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I haven't gone that far you to yet. Do, like five jumping jacks <laughs> and then you can shut it off. Like, and <laughs> All right. So we were talking earlier about your six step model for success. Can you share what those steps are and a little bit about each step for us? Yes. So the six steps are one, deciding where to start, two, developing a goal or clarifying what you're going to do. Three, tracking your progress or self-monitoring. Four, choosing the reward and setting up the rules for earning the reward. Five, reviewing your results. And six, finding an accountability partner or group. So let's go over each one a little bit more thoroughly. And so for one, we're going to decide where we're going to start. So what is the behavior that you want to change? Do you want to increase working out or do you want to decrease eating food out, like out in restaurants? Or do you want to, maybe you're already working out, but maybe you want to work out more often, or maybe you already work out five days a week, but you want to run longer or whatever it is. So figure out what behavior you want to change and then decide how much you're currently doing of this behavior. And so most importantly with this step is figure out where you're at and where you want to go, but start with small steps. So if you're working out zero times per week, don't make a goal of 30 minute daily workouts. Start with 10 minutes for two days or three days. It is so important to take small manageable steps and feel the small successes along the way so you feel good and don't get discouraged by setting expectations that are too high that you're not able to maintain. So you can build up to your idea goal. And so, for example, after a few weeks of successfully meeting your goal of going to the gym two days a week for 20 minutes, then move up to three days for 20 minutes and so on. 
Yeah, that's such a good suggestion. So I know for me personally, <laughs> we've been there. So Danny and I are friends. She's she's known my little workout journey and my my history with working out. I am queen of excuses sometimes. So one of my excuses was I would do really hardcore workouts. I'm like, oh, I'm so sore. I'm too sore to work out the next day. And I was just, it was too much. So I kind of backed up and I went to more of like, okay, I'm going to do the workout that I'm not going to be dying the next few days. And I'm going to enjoy a little bit better and then work up into the workout that I eventually want to be doing. So I think that's great. Okay. What's your next step? Develop a goal. So I'm sure teachers have heard of SMART goals. SMART stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. So specific, what and why. So I want to work out two days a week for 20 minutes. Why? Because I want to feel better and be healthier. Measurable. So how much, how many, how will I know when it is accomplished? Achievable. How can I accomplish this goal? How realistic is the goal based on other constraints, such as your work schedule, all of those things that we encounter day to day. Realistic. So if you haven't worked out in two years, it's realistic for you to, you know, run five days a week. Well, probably not. Or is it realistic for you to start a super extreme workout program? Not so much. And then timely. So it is also important for you to put some sort of time goals. So by, you know, let's say we're what, February, by March, by the end of March, I want to have accomplished X amount of workouts or run this amount of miles or whatever. So after having a goal that's specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely, think about the long-term goal. So are we going to want to lose inches, lose weight, improve our agility or speed or whatever it is? And at the end of the day, I would like for people to think or to turn that new year's push into a lifestyle change, right? Yes, we create small goals, but we want to make these goals habits and habits that stay with us forever so that we can be healthy human beings overall. Yeah, I think that's a really great tip, right, of taking those goals and really looking at it from a more global type of perspective that these are things that we want to change long-term, not just, well, we achieved it at that date and time. And it's like, well, now I can go back to having, you know, five slices of cake tonight (laughs) (laughs) type type of deal. So now that we kind of have that goal set up, what would you say our next step would be? The next step is tracking your process or self-monitor. Research has indicated that when you start monitor your behavior, you are more likely to change your behavior. So there are different ways that you can monitor your behavior. Nowadays, with technology, there are so many ways that you can, I mean, your fitness watch, there's many, like your Apple Watch, Fitbit, et cetera. There's different fitness apps, a wireless weight scale. So for example, with a fitness watch, it actually tracks your progress as you go. So it will tell you, you have done X amount of minutes of exercise today, or you have stood up this many times or whatever. So I track like my progress for working out on my calendar on the Apple Watch calendar because it lets you see all the circles or how many times you've 
close your exercise or movement circles. I also track it with a wireless weight scale. So it connects to an app. And so every time you stand on the scale, it tells you whether it increased or decreased your water weight, your body mass, all of these things that are so helpful. And on your app, it actually shows your graph. So every time you step on the scale, it shows a graph. And so you can see, is your weight going up or down? And is your water weight, any type of measurement that it gives you, it tells you whether it's going up or down. So those are great ways to track your progress. Another way to track your progress is also to kind of monitor how you're feeling. I know a lot of people don't do this, but I do a lot of journaling. And on my journal, I write like how I feel. Like, am I feeling tired or energized or how you're feeling? Honestly, when you start working out and eating healthier, your mood will be much like you feel better. So track those things too. Maybe you do it on your on the notes on your phone and track the way you're feeling. Those are all good ways. I like that last suggestion too, of like tracking other variables. So we have our main goal, but it's also important to kind of know, like, how do I feel about this? Or, you know, am I sleeping better? Or do I feel more rested when I wake up the next day? Those kind of things. So for those of you guys listening, behavior analysts are very huge on data. A lot of our day-to-day, we rely on data to make our decisions for us. So we're not saying, oh, I think the kid's making progress or I think the behavior is decreased. Like, no, we pull out our nerdy graphs and data and we look at the trends and we look to see, is the behavior increasing? Is it decreasing? And we use those to make our decisions. So we're super nerdy. We love all the graphs and stuff for this. So if you're a behavior person listening, I'm sure you have graphed your behavior of working out or increasing or decreasing behaviors over time. If you're not into the, all the nerdy graphing stuff, there's a ton of other things you can do. It could be as simple as you just putting a check mark on the calendar for when you met the goal. Or I even seen on Pinterest, like those weight loss jars where you add, I don't know, a little stone or something for every pound you lose or for inches you lose or whatever. And once the jar is full and you hit the goal, you earn your reward. So there's a lot of different ways to do it, but just track your data somehow. So that way you can see your progress. And that part in itself is kind of rewarding and reinforcing seeing that you're getting closer to that goal. All right. So, so far we have one, deciding where to start, two, creating a goal and three, getting the data. So where do we go next? The next step is to choose your reward and the rules for earning that reward. So set the contingency or a contract to earn a reward for meeting the goal. So it's great. You're doing amazing. But as human beings, we need to earn something. We need to get something positive for this. Ultimately, naturally, we will get some reward, which for some of us will be losing weight, right? Uh, That's just a product of working out. But maybe it will be that if you work out, three times a week, then you get to maybe eat a cheat meal. Maybe that's a meal, not like a weekend full of cheat meals. (laughs) Just Or maybe you get to go get your manicure or pedicure, or you go on a date night or make it something fun, like choose a reward that is valuable to you. And that, that you can also manipulate to the point where if you do not meet the goal or like the contingency or the contract that you set up yourself for, then it won't automatically be delivered anyway. A good example of that would be if everyone at the office gets coffee on Fridays, no matter what, then don't choose for that to be your reward because 
you're going to get it anyway, right? So choose a reward that is going to be something that you can control and that you can only get it if and only you meet that contingency or you met the rules for that week. Yeah, I think that's so important too, right? Because there's so many ways that this this type of plan that we're putting in place, we could easily sabotage if we really, <laughs> right? if we really want to. And I think that's, oh, yeah. even myself, I'm always guilty of kind of self-sabotage. I'm like, mm, tomorrow's a new day. <laughs> kind of start over and reset. So I think you definitely nailed it there. It was the fact we want to be able to always select things that are reinforcing to us and, and kind of stick with our plan. So now that we've identified what those rewards and rules that we're going to kind of abide by, what's next? Where do we kind of go from there? So the next thing is reviewing your results. So I think this step is very important because a lot of the times people give up the minute that they don't see results, right? And so I'm not losing weight, whatever, why work out anyway? Well, if you were monitoring or if you're tracking your progress, then this step should not even be a part of it. But also it's important to review your results in the sense like, okay, you're losing weight. Do you like where it's going or do you not like where it's going? Maybe you're not losing weight. Well, then what can we do to modify that? Maybe you should work out a little bit longer or do a different workout. So by reviewing your results, you can modify what you're doing. This step is very important because I would like to say that instead of quitting, this is the time to maybe ask for help or saying, hey, listen, maybe you have a friend or a coach or whomever you can speak about stuff like this. It is like, I'm not seeing the results. How are you getting results or how, what have you tried in the past and get some help from others to maybe change what you're doing and get better results? Yeah, I totally agree. Like I've, I have been there before too, where I set up a contingency for myself that if I met my goal of working out for three days a week, then I would earn money. And over time, I kind of made some excuses and I thought, you know, what's more valuable? Me hanging out with friends, making social plans, watching Netflix or earning that money. (laughs) And so some weeks I would make my excuses and not get that. So then I I talked to a friend who gave me advice of, you know what, let's change that contingency a little bit and that consequence of what happens and add a little bit of a punisher in that as well. So not only there's that positive reinforcement where you're earning something for meeting that behavior, so you're getting money, but also adding the punishment feature where if you don't meet that goal and there's not the behavior met, then you actually lose something. So you lose the money and not just lose Mm -hmm. it to your friend, but we've done it where you lose it to someone you don't like. So you give your friend a hundred dollars at the beginning of the week and you say, okay, do not give this to me unless I meet my goal. And on Friday, if I've not met my goal, here's my, like you already have my $100, send it to that horrible person I don't like. Or an association or organization that you really don't agree with. (laughs) Yeah, and that might be, you might be one of those people who need that extra little push and try that out. And then look at your data, look at the results. Did that change your behavior? Did it help a little bit? And then over time, maybe you won't need that extra punishment and you can go back to earning money, or maybe you won't even need to earn anything. So you're going to be earning the results of being more fit and healthy. Okay. So what is the sixth and final step? I think this is one of my favorites. I think this is the most important step. 
the reason being is because for me, it has been tremendously helpful. And number six is find an accountability partner or group. I cannot tell you how important this is. During court, and if anybody can, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. If 2020 left us anything was a lot of lessons that we learned from that year, right? And one lesson I learned is for me, I need to have an accountability partner to be able to be successful. If I don't have someone kind of looking over my shoulder, I mean, I'm not necessarily all the time, but that really does help me if I don't have someone kind of telling me, okay, are you working out or whatever? It's not as reinforcing to work out. So like I said, during 2020, I started doing a lot of my own workouts and a friend of mine, Tati and I started to work out in the morning and we would FaceTime. And so, like I said, I'm a snoozer. So at 5.45, I would be like, oh, I want to snooze again. And then the minute I thought, oh, Tati is on FaceTime waiting for me, I do not want to, like, I don't want to make her mad or upset or have her feel disappointed of me in any way. I would want to get up. And so finding that accountability partner it's so important. I mean, think about it. If you are meeting with a friend and you cancel on that friend so many times, like you probably wouldn't do that, right? Like with your friends, you wouldn't cancel that many times. So it's also another way of pairing the exercise with positive things, right? Like Tati is one of my favorite people. So seeing her work out and working out also made it a positive thing. So this is definitely something that I have found very helpful and that a lot of people have shared that it makes it different. And that is why a lot of the gyms like Orange Theory or Eat That Frog or all of those also are so successful because they create accountability. So the coach gets to know you and they're like, hey, I, I didn't see you yesterday. Where were you? I saw you canceled class. You know, like find someone or a group of people that keep you accountable because that definitely helps you be more successful. Oh yeah, for sure. I know I definitely need that accountability and sometimes group fitness or working out with a friend can definitely help. So just to recap, Danny, you shared six steps to improving the likelihood of actually meeting the personal goals. So just to go over these. So you said one, deciding where to start, two, developing a goal, three, tracking progress, four, choosing your reward and the rules to earn it, five, reviewing your results or the data, and six, your favorite, finding an accountability partner or a group. So we all experience times in our life where we want to improve a behavior or decrease a behavior. We've talked about fitness examples in this episode, but just know like a lot of these steps, you can relate them to a lot of different areas in your life. So if you're trying to increase behaviors, like you want to read more books or listen to more podcasts or start journaling, spending more time with your kids, you can relate Danny's six steps to a lot of these other areas and goals, as well as decreasing behaviors. If you're trying to quit smoking or decrease your swearing or complaining, you can use these six steps. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like as busy school professionals, right, we we kind of recognize that there is this importance of fitness and wellness for ourselves, but also too within the context of schools, there's been this really large increase of attention towards wellness of our students. So how can we generalize these strategies to working with our students in the schools to help them also lead that healthy lifestyle? Well, you know, behavior is behavior. And so kind of the same things that we apply to us. We can apply with our kids, plan ahead, 
maybe set up specific times for kids to be active, schedule it, make it fun. Again, teach kids about the importance of exercising and teach the view of getting to exercise rather than having to exercise. We have to really teach our kids from a young age about this perspective and pairing exercising with positive things. I think that from a very young age, I remember people like, oh, I have to go work out. Oh, I wish I didn't have to do this. When in reality, no, we get to work out people. Like be grateful. We have the body to do it. So let's teach our kids to do the same. And most importantly, be the model for your kids. If you are in a school setting, be the model. Put some dance uh, videos in your classroom every so often during your breaks. You know, like, okay, it's time to get our body moving and put some YouTube videos or whatever. Maybe during recess, you can go and hang out with them for a little bit and be a role model for being active and having healthy habits. Yeah, that's great. And I know you mentioned earlier reading self-help and motivational books, and I've read several that you recommended to me personally, and I love them. If you had to narrow down a few of your favorite of those books, I encourage you to kind of get a jump start. What would they be? So if I had to narrow it down to three books, I would probably say number one, Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. That is definitely one of the books that changed my life tremendously, more so on my morning routine. Second, Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. And I really like this book because it talks about accomplishing your hardest task first instead of leaving it for the end. So a lot of people do the very easy task first and last the hardest, but he talks about the frog, which is the hardest task first thing. So in this case, working out first thing in the morning, if that is the hardest things for you, do it first and get it out of the way. That way in the afternoon, there are no excuses for you not to work out because it's already done. And third book I would have to say is Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo. She is an absolutely amazing writer and love the book. She basically gives the perspective that anything and everything is possible and in her way of saying it, figureoutable. So if you do not have the chance to read the books because you are a very busy person, they are all on Audible. So read them or listen to them as you drive and make the most out of these books. They are definitely some of my favorite books. Thank you so much, Jenny, for sharing those books with us and listeners. I'll have those books as well as some other recommendations in our show notes. So you can check them out. And then if our listeners want to find out more about behavior relating to fitness or any suggestions for their fitness goals, how can they contact you, Danny? Instagram would probably be the best way of getting in touch with me. My Instagram is Danny Colum, D-A-N-I-C-O-L-O-M. Perfect. Okay. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. And definitely check her Instagram out. I know it inspires me. I'll see that Danny has a new story and I'm like, okay, what fitness thing is she sharing today? Oh, she worked out at 4am. Okay. I got to get on this. <laughs> so Danny, you definitely give me some inspiration when I look at your Instagram. So thank you. And thank, thank you, you so much for joining us today. I know this was really helpful for all of our listeners and we really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I love this. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. 
Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. If you found value in this show, please leave a rating or share it with a friend. Resources mentioned during this episode and links to our social media pages can be found in our show notes. If you want to learn more about how Class on Task can make a difference in your classroom or school, check out our website, classontask.com. Thank you so much for joining us today and see you next time.